Today I have a very special guest who is a tax advisor called James Canniford, uh, based in Hertfordshire. Uh, well, welcome, James. I'll, I'll, welcome. Hi, Charles. It's, it's great to be here and um, uh, hello, everyone who's listening. Great, great. I met James through uh, Business Buzz. They're a networking organisation based in Hertfordshire. I run my own meeting in Watford and James is a, I think they call them buzzers, right? We call buzzers. Uh, yeah, I think that's what they're they're trying to get us to uh, refer to ourselves. That sounds quite right to me. But I know that you've been working in tax for nearly fifteen years uh, in a boutique firm and a member of the Association of Tax Taxation Technicians for thirteen years, and you've worked as a junior partner within the firm and shouldered much of the day to day advisory work. You said you played a pivotal role in expanding the services provided to plan to planning and support for a wide range of sectors and individuals, including landlords, which is of interest to a lot of our li listeners, and other accountancy firms, while maintaining a specialism in tax investigation. So if you've been investigated for tax, maybe James is your person. But in 2021, you branched out on your own, and you set up your firm, Hawthorne Tax Consultancy. That sounds very traditional, actually. It sounds great. And your <clears throat> website is hawthorneconsultancy.com. And I'll put all your details on the description. Um, but First of all, how, how are you finding things since the, the autumn statement, James? You... Uh, well, I think there's been a... I, I think you would have had to have been living under a rock to avoid a lot of the naysaying and everything that we've heard from the yeah. from the papers um you know obviously they've got to sell uh, a lot of online websites as well trying to to doom and gloom it all in in that respect um yeah. i think that the autumn statements lacked in a number of areas uh, I, I think jeremy hunt could have really produced a good statement to, to talk about how um how the, an, an attack system for the 21st century and, and i think rather he's just decided to sort of kick it down the road a bit for the hopes that maybe they can land it in in the next government's lap um you can see that from where a, a number of the the rates and everything have been frozen for for a couple of years it would, it yeah. would land you know if the, if the labor party do take over you know it's going to land pretty much squarely in their lap to have to raise taxes which is a obviously a good campaigning point and, and politically speaking a good good tactic in in that respect yeah so a lot a lot of it is is down to changing thresholds right uh, thresholds and freezing the rise in the threshold so eventually people will reach higher rates of tax much faster is that right so yeah a lot of it has been referred to as what is the stealth tax almost um the the freezing of the income uh the income levels the 20 percent rates the dropping of of the the 45 percent additional tax rate down to uh, 125,000 pound they're all um they're all geared towards catching people you know we, we all hope that our income is going to be going up each year you know if we're landlords we're hoping our profits are going to be going up each year if we're just a normal paye individual normal employee we're expecting our pay rises going up each year uh, and rather than sort of actively increasing tax what the government's done is is made it so that more of that tax that we are or more of that earnings that we're receiving is going to be caught at those taxable rates um there there have been reductions it would be wrong for me to say that there haven't been sort of reductions in in some of these allowances but if we are looking at sort of the capital gains tax rates 
that's been dropped down to around six thousand pound from April twenty three, uh, and then it's going to be dropped down to a further sort to further three thousand um, pound from April twenty four. Likewise, we've got similar step downs with the dividend rates from from two thousand or dividend exemption, I should say, from two thousand to one thousand, and, and then five hundred to to tally in with that. But interestingly enough, although those rates are going down, if we're looking at the type of people that they're hitting, and that being those people who hold wealth um you know they're, they're not necessarily employees but they might be individuals with large property portfolios or large investment portfolios mm. they are probably in a position where they're going to be able to weather the storm um and looking at a couple of, you know looking at 300 extra quid out of your investment portfolio because you've lost a thousand pound of taxable dividends looking at selling a property and potentially having to suffer an extra 1600 pounds in tax when you're looking at the value of these assets that are being disposed of they're not absolutely massive um you know and, and the tax yeah. the, the tax grab on those isn't actually massive compared to when you look at employees uh and and how much they're going to be hit especially those employees who are earning over that one two five yeah so can you can we go through the capital gains in a little bit more detail? I know that there was a figure that eighty five thousand landlords had sold their properties over the last few years, and and we hear anecdotally that a lot of landlords are sort of fed up with their regulations and they want to sell, so they are going to pay a little bit more tax. And how's that going to work? Because they've reduced the, the the thresholds. Can you explain that in more? And capital gains tax, by the way, is a tax paid on your profit, right? So it's paid on your gain um another word for that could be profit but it's it's calculated um it's not necessarily strictly that profit of that sale because there are various exemptions if you've lived in the property for a period of time you may be exa uh, able to claim um exemption for those years that you've lived in it mm -hmm. and, and everything else so um because it isn't a trading asset it is considered as a, a gain on on an asset in that respect mm -hmm. so at the moment, we are looking at the first £12,000 thereabouts uh, of gain being tax-free. So, right. you know, provided you've made that disposal, provided you haven't gone over the over that initial annual exemption threshold, then... Um, no tax. Then, then no tax whatsoever. It's a little bit over 12000 It's about £12,300, but... For the sake of conversation, let's talk, let's say 12. Yeah. Um, from April next year, from April 2023, that will be reduced down to £6,000, which of course obviously means that it's going to have sort of a double impact. For those individuals who are going to be having those large gains over the 12300 anyway, more of that gain is going to be caught. Um, an additional £6,000 of that is going to be caught and is then going to be taxable. The people is really good. Sorry. At what, at what rate? Well, that depends on what your other income is. Um, the way the capital gains works is it's dependent on your other income bands. So taxable gains of up to the basic rate above the 12,300 will be taxed at 10% or 18% mm -hmm. if it's residential property. And then above that, it's 20% or 28% if it's residential property you've got to remember um, the, the big problem with residential property at the moment is it is suffering that higher tax rate it's almost double the capital gains tax on it is almost double 18 compared to 10 28 compared to 20 in that respect for as opposed to other investments like dividends and shares and uh, right. and all that kind of right. stuff right so 
where they're really going to hit though are those people who have been able to be clever with their gains uh, and clever with their capital disposals to keep it below that sort of 12,300 limit people who are going well I'll, I'll sell 10,000 I'll make a 10,000 gain this year or I'll, I'll make a 12,000 gain this year and, and, and of course that's not been being taxed the government's intention obviously is to start taxing that and, and from April 23 it'll be dropped down to 6,000 uh, pounds that, that's tax-free so that additional amount above that additional four to six is going to be taxable and then from April 24 that's going to be dropped all the way down to three thousand um, pounds as i said if we are looking at large property uh, larger disposals so we're looking at property disposals residential property especially the rates at which they've gone up and and the prices uh, and the sales disposals of some of these losing that six thousand pounds is really only going to equate to around 15 1600 quid more tax now yes it is more tax don't get me wrong i'm not saying you're going to get away with nothing but given how expensive it already is to buy and sell property finding that extra money at the top end to stick it on um, given that there have been freezes to um, stamp duty rates um, the, the 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 freeze brought in or, or the changes brought in in 2007 to, uh, sorry not 2007 back in September are are being kept by the, the current government at least for, for the foreseeable future and mm -hmm. If you are disposing, you're disposing to that first time buyer, you're disposing to those individuals who are not second uh, property owners. So this is going to be their principal property. You can probably recover 1600 quid in your property. I'm, I'm not telling people to go out and overvalue their properties, but we're not looking at £16,000. We're not looking at £160,000. Yeah. We're looking at relatively small amounts. We're just looking at it over a very large number of people. Right, right. Okay. So there's no panic for... Uh, property owners to go out and sell the property or and, and there's no there's, i mean they can't really get get a good around it anyway but i don't think there's gonna be a mass sell-off uh, i can't see there being a mass sell-off i think the people i think those that are going to sell are going to be the ones that are caught under the other regulatory conditions um in that respect and those that are just finding it too much or too hard or too expensive to run the property the the problem that i've seen with a lot of the clients that have come to me that have been looking to offload property portfolios or, or change them is that they have properties that are heavily heavily leveraged and heavily financed and this is where the issue comes in that are you going to have enough money out of the sale of your property to pay off your financing and then pay the tax on top and of course finding an extra 1600 quid might be the tipping points you know a lot of people that i've spoken to haven't had that and, and they've just had to sort of resign themselves to the fact that they're going to be landlords for for a little bit longer and, and hope that all the, all the prices and everything else come down but realistically like i say i think that it's going to be the other areas that are going to impact the the um uh, that are going to impact the uh the landlords more in in that respect um i think for those that for example those that do cover the um the council tax rates then you know the increase that 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 increase that a five percent increase into council tax rates is is going to to be a massive impact um the scrapping of the section 21 evictions that's potentially yeah. going to have a bigger impact any fluctuation that the interest rates and everything is going to have with relation to mortgages and Definitely. other sources of lending is going to have more of an impact um in, in that reality I was, I was speaking to somebody the other day whose mortgage repayments were 1500 quid a month that's uh, sorry not 15 15, a month on their property now mm. if yeah now if you can imagine that the um mm. If you can imagine what can happen there, the interest rates, we're not looking at 
1600 quid of tax worrying them we're worrying about interest rates shooting up and and whether they'd be able to actually uh, afford to manage the property that's 1500 15000 pounds a month on a portfolio of properties no this was on one property this one property they bought it on one property 15000 a month mortgage yeah about 180,000 a year, yeah. Some property, and <laughs> it's, it's worth a fair few million, let's put it some, that way. Some kind of income, but, but um, yeah, I, I read the BBC said that 100,000 people a month are reaching the end of a fixed rate deal, and they're going to be in for a, a nasty shock, aren't they? Because rates could go up from say one or two percent up to five or six percent. I mean, are you finding that with some of your clients? We are seeing that happening. Um, it's it's happening from two aspects because obviously we've got the residential side to compare to, to think of which has traditionally been quite low one two percent jumping up to sort of four or five those individuals though that are looking at incorporating their property portfolios they've also got a problem as well because commercial rates have always been historically higher and yeah. we are now seeing those commercial rates potentially doubling um you know from sort of the five six percent they were up to ten eleven percent potentially in some areas um yeah. and and that in itself is enough for some people to turn around and you know you're sat there if you've got a property portfolio you're trying to look at these ways that you can save tax but a lot of what a lot of people don't function into it or, or don't uh, don't think about is that you can't just put a residential property into a company especially one that's got a mortgage on it because the, it's probably going to be against the terms of your mortgage mortgage company would need to be notified and you're then looking at trying to find alternative financing which could be two or three or four times more expensive than the financing that you've got on it at this mm -hmm. moment in time so trying to uh, i've had to have a fair few unfortunate and, and hard conversations with with a few clients that have been looking to try and transfer small property portfolios into companies and which are hard enough to begin with but once you start looking at the commercial reality behind how these transactions work um and you start bringing in the financiers and, and everything else at this moment in time I, i've just had a conversation with one client whose mortgage company was willing to let him have a take out a mortgage for two hundred and thirty thousand pounds but wasn't willing to let him transfer a seventy seven thousand pound mortgage from somebody else's name into his name right so these are the problems that i think landlords are really <clears throat> going to be facing at the moment with the uncertainty of the marketplace that doesn't mean to say obviously like i say that they're not going to be paying more tax if they're selling their properties they're not necessarily you know they're not going to be paying more tax on their on on the income that's come in because of the freezing of the um of the income tax bans uh, in, in that respect and, and that sort of stealth tax that's coming from there and, and we've got to also remember that IH, uh, not only um, uh, not only the income tax bans have been frozen but also the IHT bans have been frozen as well so these properties that are maturing and, and increasing in value potentially if they are then looking at having to pass them over to children or they end up falling into part of their portfolios um, gifts for a reservation of benefits seem to be very pre uh, very prevalent at the moment unfortunately um, and so those those landlords who are looking at passing um, you know those mums and dads who are looking at passing their properties over to over to their sons and daughters and, and, and their children have to be very careful that they do do it properly um, and they don't end up getting caught under this gift with reservation of benefit issue because then it will be it doesn't matter if it's been done seven eight or nine ten years ago it will be dragged into their iht calculations if they if they were to pass um so so IHT that's, being inheritance. In, that's inheritance tax yeah so that's yeah, that's so advising people on that as well how to maybe shelter that or put their properties in trust if they've got 
portfolios? Can, you, you're getting a lot of that. So that 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 is something that ha is usually thrown around. What it's very nice to think that we can just throw property into trust and and it's done. But what a lot of people don't realise is that there's a lot of costs in again involved in that. And so if you're looking just at the family home, you have these problems where you are looking at the setup costs for the trust. You're looking at the effectively the maintenance costs of those trusts, that being the paying the trustees. You're looking at, at the settlement costs. You're looking at payments out to beneficiaries and any income tax costs that may arise. And yes, it's great a great way of being able to shelter assets in the trust and being able to put these trust assets in that can then value and protect yourself against against that valuation. But it's one of those things that again coming you know, referring back to sort of these property portfolio and corporation portfolios is that commercially speaking and realistically speaking it's only for those individuals that have got the money already um yeah. unfortunately you generally find that those people have got one or two properties or mum and dad trying to do something or whatever else they're caught in the system um and it would cost far more in professional fees than, yes. than any tax that they're likely to save let's let, let's yeah. put it that way the the other thing that i did really want to sort of touch on quickly with this respect is that there is the making tax digital rules that are coming in um and, and i think that jeremy Hunt had the uh, ability to um create a budget that could have taxed income where it lies and 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 created this um dynamic future and this dynamic tax system going forwards the the government was sold making tax digital unfortunately and it's something they still are looking to press forwards with and and it was sold as a means of closing the tax gap but the problem is is that it's going to be impacting landlords i think a bit disproportionately we're still waiting for a lot of the why, why is that though what, what's the difference so the the main difference with uh, with what's happening with making tax digital and what it's introducing is the reporting requirements on landlords now a lot of landlords potentially husband and wife landlords the argument is there that there's two trades but we haven't received any guidance on exactly how this is happening the the fundamental um fundamentally what's going to happen is that landlords who are turning over over ten thousand pounds which is the majority of landlords out there if you have to be on per, per year yeah per annum will yeah. be required to file four quarterly returns with hmrc they will then have to file a fifth sort of uh, set of accounts if i can call it that and then they will have to file after that, they'll then have to file their self-assessment as well on top of that. So we're looking at um, individuals who are submitting one return, one self-assessment to having to now submit six wow. documents, effectively six returns to HMRC for that same year. And the, the issue there, there's two issues. One, there's cost. Because if you're getting an accountant to deal with it, or if you're getting an advisor to deal with it, or a third party to deal with it, it's going to be expensive. Oops. Secondly, there is that question of actually having the relevant information. 
uh, not, not wanting to insult anybody out there, but landlords are typically one of the worst people to get the relevant information off of um, to, to, when it comes to processing the tax returns. And either because a lot of it's being dealt with by a management company and they just sort of say, oh, the management company is dealing with it, but then trying to get the information out of the management company is like trying to pull teeth. What um, sort of information would you need every quarter? I mean, the rents you've collected and... So you'd, you'd need to, yeah, you, you'd need to effectively know on a cash basis the rents that have been received, the money that's been deducted, the payments that have gone out, the repairs that have happened, you know, all the bills, um, service charges, um, insurance. I mean, the, the, the list goes on. Um, mm. it, and, and rather than providing that information once a year, you're now going to have to provide it four times a year. And then the set of accounts has got to be drafted up on an accruals basis at the end of the year, which has then got to be included as part of the tax return, which has then got to go in. So you're not saving yourself with anything. You're just having to increase these reporting functions. And for those landlords where they might have periods of people not being in, in their properties, um, you know, they're going to have these uh, periods of time where they're, they're effectively submitting these returns and keeping up on it with no income that's coming in to support the, the costs of actually having to produce the returns and everything else. So that is another cost that we're now looking at the, the landlords having to... Which is going to hit smaller landlords more than the big companies. Yeah, obviously it is. And the risk that you then have is... I have quite a cynical, I suppose, view of how the revenue operate. And I think anybody who's been in tax as long as I have does that have that cynical view, especially when you are exposed to the tax investigation side of HMRC. Um, those of your listeners who have received nudge letters um, about the property campaign or, um, you know, anything along those lines will know exactly what I'm talking about here. Uh, but it, it's a penalty exercise, effectively. And, and increasing, you know, making it so that there are four or five or six returns rather than one increases the chances that someone's going to miss a return, Yeah, which then means you can start charging penalties and then you can start charging increased number of penalties for the more returns that have been missed. Um, there are already enough landlords out there who fail or, or, or mistakenly don't include their income because they're, you know, taking their full mortgage deduction against the income and they're sitting there going, well, I haven't earned anything. Well, that's just going to increase tenfold when 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 MTD does come into play. So as as I was sort of alluding to at the, at the beginning, Charles, the the main problem as I see it isn't so much the freezing and the stealth tax. Yes, that's going to impact everybody. Um, it's going to hit everybody. It's mainly going to hit those PAYE individuals, but it's definitely is going to hit landlords who are being sort of hit twice in that effect because they're hoping that their their, their trade profits are going up, and they also are hoping that they're their PAYE income's going up. Yeah. It's gonna it's gonna hit them um sort of double as hard. But the capital gains tax aspects, the 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 um and the stamp duty and, and the dividends, I can't see that hitting them as badly, provided they are in that position to be able to weather the storm. What is really going to cripple though uh, the, the most landlords, especially most small landlords, is the increased compliance loads and the increased costs and the increase to inflation and interest rates and everything else, all those areas that we don't really consider when we're thinking about letting out our property, but yeah. have a massive impact on the amounts of cash that we can get in at the end of it end of the day and okay, you've yeah, sort of yeah. got to make that decision really of going is it worth holding the property as a long-term investment even if it's going to cost me 
a bit now and can i afford to to shoulder that cost can i afford to absorb it in other areas or do i need to look at ways of potentially relieving myself of this asset or trying to liquidize some more of my assets or something else to be able to manage it property's always been a good area um and i think part of the property the reason why we've had such a property boom in this country is because other investments have never been as good that the issues with the um the issues that came into play with pensions and and everything else just not keeping up with the rates that the property are going up it they become a very good good way yeah. to save for your future in that respect and you can use leverage as i say in my books borrow and grow rich you can use leverage to buy a property mm. if you can't do in the stock market in the same way no pre precisely um it's just but at this moment in time it is just that increased compliance that we have to think about and think okay. slightly outside the box in that respect as to it's not just renting the property it's not just how much money am i going to get a month out of it and how much is the mortgage going to cost it's <clears throat> it's all these other areas it's will i need to get an accountant into play to have to deal with my with making tax yeah. digital when it comes in when, um, that, when is that likely to be making tax so that's going to that's going to come in from april 24 okay. so we haven't got so we haven't got a long time and that's definitely um, that's not just a proposal that is definitely coming in you think? it's been pushed a couple of times they haven't said that they're going to be pushing it again they might do um it's it's one of those things that that may come in it may not come in as we are sitting at this moment in time we are expecting it to come in don't okay, like seen, i say it's been pushed twice already it might get pushed again i've seen a lot of people advertising software and schemes that you can use for helping you through making tech i mean are you going to be helping your clients with, with this i mean something personally yeah certainly something something needs to come into play one thing that i would advise people though is that a lot of these companies out there that are advertising the making tax digital ready software zero quickbooks um coconut sage whoever they are a lot of the guidance has not been provided yet and a lot of these systems aren't actually in place or up to date um they are just sort of advertising their services as saying hey we are going to be able to sort of do this you need to make sure you're doing it in a way that's mtd compliant but before you charge out there and, and and sign up to the first piece of software that says hey we can do this have a think have a look and see what it is that they are actually right what they are actually doing because as i say there's a lot of guidance that hasn't come into play and it's for so if we come back to as i was saying about um husband and wife landlords for example it's technically two trades in that respect because you're having to submit two tax returns and it's just a 50 50 aspect of the trade so if that if that if they are earning ten thousand pounds or they're, they're they're triggering the the limit at which they have to report is it just one of them is it both of them are they reporting it as a partnership now bearing in mind partnerships are, are so far exempt from having to do making tax digital as our limited companies it's just the sole traders and and your 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 unincorporated landlords at the moment that have to oh, worry about so, it you said that again so limited companies and partnerships will be exempt from limited companies and yeah limited and companies and partnerships at the moment are are going to be exempt okay. from having to deal with making tax digital they have their own reporting requirements um this is uh, mtd is a is a way to allow the revenue to have a real-time look uh, on what um sole traders and ha how sole traders and individual landlords are are really operating in that respect 
the the reason they don't have to worry about it with companies or, or limited liability partnerships is because they have to file accounts um and the um and as far as an unincorporated partnership is concerned it's it's as well, it's not its own entity but it's it's multiple trades effectively rolled into one to provide one trade so okay. that, that that's not quite in place yet for the revenue and, and again there are some guidance that are missing in respect of that but as i was saying mum uh, these husband and wife partnerships effectively because that's effectively what they are well we're looking at if that income being split 50 50 so the question that is out there or one of the questions is out there that we're looking for guidance for is whether or not the whether or not are they required to comply with mtd because is it one trade or is it two trades is it one trade right. earning over ten thousand or is it two trades earning under ten thousand pound if they do have to comply who is it that has to do it is it going to be husband or is it going to be wife is it going to be the major shareholder is it not uh, or, or the the major owner of the property or or, or is it you know is it not uh, and one of the key things to remember is that just because you are husband and wife and you're operating a property it's not a partnership if you know especially if there's only that one property the revenue is never going to consider that a property partnership or a trading partnership right. if you've got five six seven eight properties then yeah you can we can we can do something with that but one or two properties in this respect you're starting to walk a very gray line with regards to does hmrc consider it a trade do they consider it an investment is it split equally between right. um, the two parties what's what's going on here and and that leads then further into a, a question of well if you have got husband and wife but they submitted a form 17 so they've shifted the beneficial ownership and so wife receives 90 percent of it and husband receives 10 percent of it are we still looking at it being 50 50 are we looking at it being 90 10 are we right. you know is it just the responsibility of the larger of the person who's got the larger beneficial entitlement to do the filing so there are in, in theory it works if i can say it like that <laughs> but in practice you know for, for for those individuals who own the property outright it's one person owning the property absolutely fine but when you get into a situation where there's multiple people especially if they're husband and wife or especially if they're fathers mm. and sons and all that kind of stuff going on um there's going to be a lot of questions. questions there's still a lot of unanswered questions and, and considering mm. that we are fast approaching the supposed implementation deadline we are mm -hmm. we're definitely waiting and and i as i say i do know that there are a number of um there are a number of these service providers out there who are going to do it that um their software is not up to date yet let's put let's put it that way they're advertising the services but the software is not up to date yet i would hold off um although it would be great to say hey everyone come on board and, and get mtd now i think realistically there's bigger things to sort of think about before the implementation of mtd um regarding whether or not it is something that individuals still or whether it's just worth cashing in going to an ifa and getting that money to sticking it into into other investments somewhere sticking into you know talking to your ifa and, and seeing what you can do in, in that respect to to try and get the money work for you in a different fashion okay that's that's really interesting james um i think you see these things coming and i suppose a lot of lands are going to just leave it to the last minute and then suddenly start panicking like they do at the end of january maybe when they come to i need my tax return mm. so really now if you haven't at the moment you're 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 doing your tax returns a year in arrears i guess so now it's going to be brought right up to date 
But even now, I expect gone yet. Yeah. Sorry, I was just going to say, so yeah, the, the first filing would be, I believe, uh, June. Um, so it's the first three months. So mm -hmm. it, will, it will run 5th of April through to 5th of April, these filings effectively. Um, and it's every every 5th of April on a three-month basis following the 5th of April in, in that respect. So from that's when they've got to go. So from, from April 24, yes. Yeah. So there's no need to panic just yet, but... Um, if you're if you're out there and you haven't done your tax return, I, th I think this is where they need to get things moving because you don't want people coming to you and saying, you know, it's the 30th of January. Can you find my tax return? I'm sure you get people doing that. Oh, you do. You, you, you certainly do. You certainly do. Um, it's yeah. People have just got to be a bit more mindful. And, and I think this is the I was talking to a number of colleagues the other day and there's nothing we can really do as a populace in respect of you know the, these freezes and these changes and everything else you know we're employees we're running our own businesses we're going to get caught by this and everything um what we have to do is we have to start thinking differently um about our taxes so if you are an employee what salary sacrifice or other occupational um, remuneration packages are your employer able to offer you that may help you reduce your tax bill are you able to subscribe more into your pensions what can you you know if you've got three or four or five properties is there a better way of holding those properties if you've got one or two properties is there something else that you can do um, to, to to effectively alleviate some of the pressure there um one other area just to, to, to touch on that I, I did scribble in my notes quickly was that I'm sure some people are aware of the corporation tax changes um, that are coming in from April next year um, and this whole increase to 25% uh, on taxes. Just as a reminder, that is 25% on tax in excess or of profits, I should say, in excess of £250,000. So those companies who are turning over profits of less than 50,000 are still going to be being taxed at 19%, which for the majority of, by the time you've taken out management fees and um, you know all other fees that you can potentially look at and costs in, in that respect, those incorporated, you know, unless they have got a very, very, very large portfolio, are probably going to be looking at ways to see what they can do to reduce that down to to that £50,000. And, and that's one of those areas that you can potentially look at. Well, what can the company, what can your property company do for you? What what else can it do? Can it invest into a pension? Can it offer you other um, salary sacrifice aspects? You know, do you have young kids? Can it start offering you childcare um, vouchers and all that kind of stuff to try and help reduce down the actual exposure that the company has to tax at that marginal rate um, for when, when it drops over the £50,000. So there are, it, it's just case, it's a case of people just having to be a bit more clever with their money, I think, and, and a bit more clever and a bit more aware of what is going on. And rather than having the knee-jerk reactions to what's happening in the press, uh, which they, they've got to sell papers. End of the day, the press have got to sell papers. It's as simple yeah, as that. Yeah. Um, unemployment rising and yet there's there's spring budget budget warning yeah public sector borrowing yeah they, they, they are it's all doom and gloom of course they, they've they've got to sell those but it doesn't necessarily mean that it's bad news 
Um, I think it would have been more disastrous if they had aligned capital gains tax rates with income tax rates. If they had aligned, uh, <laughs> you know, if, if if they'd moved to that line and gone, right, we are now going to be charging 20, 40, 45% um, on capital gains and right. reducing, you know, and reducing that 2,300 down to 600 or something like that, you're then looking at substantial tax rates and i think then you're looking at a lot of, a lot of people being underwater but that's not really the um that's not really the situation we're in people are going to have to pay a bit more money yes that's just the the way of it yes there are things that we can do to try and mitigate that for a lot of our clients um but it comes down to those more real world impacts as well is that yes we can do there's a lot of stuff that we can do but is it actually going to be cost effective to do that for you? Um, you know, th there are more things to worry about than tax at the end of the day. It's, it's one of those areas that is death and taxes. They are inevitable. Um, <laughs> yeah. But penalties are not penalties. Penalties, penalties are, not, penalties are certainly not. Deal with things. So you get those brown envelopes, yep. you open them. And I think key is take advice from people like yourselves, from advisors, not wait until the end of the year and then start panicking. You've got to take advice because if, if you can say to your client, well, you, you're nearing a, a different threshold, a higher rate threshold, and you're going to go over that, presumably by putting money into a pension scheme, you can reduce your taxable income. Is that is that correct? This means putting money into a, a pension scheme of some sort. So from a tax perspective, yes, you can help uh, subscriptions into, into pensions are, are very good. Um, we, you know, th those of your um those of your listeners who are very much up to date with their um finances and 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 and, and keen investors and entrepreneurs if you haven't got an ifa already go out and get one go and talk to a couple find one that you gel with really well in in yeah. that respect but find a good one um and a good ifa will get you to start using up your allowances properly before they start advertising you vct um eis cdis all these all these other tax saving investments they're going to make you start using it properly. so they're going to make sure that you've put the full amount into your pension each year they're going to make sure that you you've topped up your isa as much as you can do so that you're getting tax-free benefit off of that they're going to make sure that your interests and the dividends that you're receiving on your investments are as high as they can be without them being taxed, you know, and they're up to their subsequent before they then start saying, right, well, let's start chucking it into EIS or VCT or, or anything along it. those lines, yeah. which, which obviously now they used to be the day used to be able to set up an EIS and pretty much guaranteed you're going to get your return. Didn't really matter, but the revenue like having, um, like having that risk now, and they like us to be able to show that that risk is there when, when we're going for the application in that respect. Yeah. So, yeah. um, yeah, I think my, my message is is don't sit on it. Don't wait until next April or next June to jump on and say, right, I need to get this sorted. Don't wait until the end of the tax the end of the current tax year if you are thinking of selling. Don't wait until sort of February, March time because ultimately you've got to get the property sold. And it's as simple as that. And if you're not going to be able to get that property sold before I mean that searches and everything these days are taking months to come back um yeah. you know so it's even touch and go that if you were to approach a solicitor in january that they'd be able to guarantee that it would be all sorted yeah. before the end of the tax year so um 
unfortunately for, for many who sort of sit around and go, oh, well, I'll deal with it later. And then, oh, well, I'll deal with my tax return. I'll deal with it in February. Or I'll deal with it whenever. You're going to run out of time. Um, yeah, that's true. I think, I, I think that you, being forearmed and forewarned is, is the best. And being able to sit down and go, right, well, actually, how much, if I sell my property now, how much is it actually going to cost me in tax? Yeah in the you know mortgage repayments in everything else what is it actually going to cost me because one thing that i do one thing that i do find with the clients that we do deal with when we do do capital gains tax returns for them when we do do the property returns for them is all of a sudden the tax is a lot lower than what they thought they did because we've yeah. been able to sit down and talk them through and yeah. work out yeah. what yeah. capital expenditure and what deductions are allowable in that respect. Um, and, 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 and they're always pleasantly surprised. So I don't yeah. think, uh, I think keeping on top of it, knowing what's going on and, and, and sort of acting at the right time is, is obviously the best, the best thing yeah. to do. And remember the market has kind of slowed down a bit. It's becoming more of a, uh, a buyer's market so if you're if you're trying to rush to sell a property in the winter um you know when the agent said this guy's looking for a quick sale yeah the agent tells the the buyer that he doesn't represent he's representing the seller but you'll say to them, well this guy's looking for a quick sale. you can put an offer in so is it worth it when you have to maybe reduce your price by ten thousand pounds to save a few thousand pound in tax maybe as you say if you have advice on this they might think well no it's not really worth it rushing through a sale and then what do you do with that money if you've got a lot of cash sitting in the bank, losing value at say ten percent a year, where, where do you put that money afterwards to give you anything like the income that you can get from a property? Um, so I, I think great, James. That's really good. I, mean, I think the key there is perhaps not to worry so much about the implications of tax, although make sure you're up to date with it, but more about compliance and the the making tax digital uh, rules that will come in from. April 2024, that could really hit smaller landlords who are probably going to say, oh, my God, you know, I'm, just, I'm getting out. I'm getting out. You know, I can imagine some of them. But uh, is there anything else you'd like to say and uh, anything, any other points you'd like to cover? I'm just having a quick look through. The, 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 what, I, what I sort of scribbled down and I think we've I think I've managed to sort of get through everything. It's right, um, right. It, it is. It is a complicated area um especially when looking at property and and you know we we haven't even scratched the surface this morning as as to the complexities mm -hmm. that, that right. you can get into and 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 the tax planning opportunities that are available to people um but i think that you're you're absolutely right it's be aware of your tax understand your tax situation if you haven't had a chance to speak to somebody because it goes beyond your property income it encourages you know tax affects everything in that respect and yeah. so being able to sit down and making sure that you are operating tax effectively and tax efficiently within yourself um making sure that you are compliant the a lot of the let property campaign was uh, was driven by the settlement between Airbnb and HMRC um airbnb didn't want to have to pay the tax so they chucked their members under the bus it's as simple as that and what I'm a lot of that so airbnb was approached by hmrc last year year before um and effectively they were approached to say you owe us a significant amount of tax part of the settlement 
um, which resulted in a lower amount of tax being due significantly was that Airbnb passed over all the details of the UK landlords who had been using Airbnb to provide services throughout the stay vac staycation um, period during COVID. Now, that's a relationship that is still happening um, at the moment, but HMRC are not adverse to going through land registry to see when um, properties have been sold or when properties have transferred hands. They're not, you know, so they are at the moment, the big thing that the revenue is doing is that they are cross-checking the tenancy deposit scheme against individuals to check that those individuals may or may not have over or under value or over or undervalued the their disclosures and their tax returns so effectively what they're mm -hmm. doing is they're checking that they're they're looking seeing who's got who's had it in there they're looking at when the repayment's been made looking at when the payment was seen in and if they sit there and go well hang on a minute it looks like we've got five or six years and they've only put in four years or they've asked for a deposit of ten thousand you know a deposit of two thousand pounds and they've only been declaring, you know, 500 quid a month or something silly like that through their tax returns, then um, then then you can expect a letter. <laughs> it's as simple as that. You yeah. you can expect that letter from the revenue. And, and it is a penalty exercise at the end of the day. Uh, I unfortunately had one client a few months back whose penalty was the same size as her tax bill ultimately at the end of the day because she hadn't acted properly mm. at, the, at the relevant time. Um, and we were looking at a couple of years, but it was still it got to the point where it was going to cost her more to challenge it than than to actually pay it but it was still still a significant payment in that respect so you're letting out a room or a property on the, under airbnb and you haven't declared the income then you know you could be in trouble there and you should be declaring the income anyway and you're allowed to let a room out for up to seven thousand five hundred a year yep. tax-free but i believe you've got to still declare that right or, or is it so yes with property income uh, it needs to be declared um strictly speaking the revenue only care about income that's taxable but when it comes to property income then they like to know these things because okay. it is a self-reporting aspect um and again because it's a self-reporting aspect it falls into penalties if i can be as blunt as that as again penalty exercise you report the wrong amount in your tax return hmrc gets a whiff of that at some point nine out of ten inquiries aren't open because the revenues found out something um organically they're open because somebody has rung up the revenue and said so and so is getting more money or appears to be getting more money than than what they think they are um you don't want to for the sake of saving a couple of uh, a couple of hundred quid in tax you don't want to be playing that game with hmrc there's okay. a chance they might not find you, but ultimately at the end of the day, when you're looking at then having to go and getting it fixed. And when I have these conversations with my clients and they find out just how much a, an investigation will cost and the fact that it could go on for two years, three years, over a couple of hundred quid or a couple of thousand pounds, it's, it's not worth it. Get the advice at the right time, get it from a competent individual, have a chat with a couple of people um, and, make, and make sure that the person that you are speaking to understands your situation um in that respect i think that's one of the key things there's a lot yeah. of advisors out there who will just try and shove you into a pocket with everybody else and, and we'll move on find someone who's actually willing to take the time to sit down discuss understand what your situation is and then provide the advice rather than just saying 
this is what you know this is what i think we should do without without listening okay james how do people contact you if they want to to get in touch with you so they can come to us through the website um or they can send an email to info at hawthornconsultancy.com the or otherwise they can give us a call on 01442 97 4499 um if you like linkedin i am on linkedin i'm more than happy to <laughs> you know just to look, look for hawthorne tax consultancy or, or myself james canniford on there there's a lovely picture of me on there so you should be able to find it um, a little Fantastic. bit more clean shaven i would say um in that respect but uh, uh yeah you, uh, ping me ping me something through there we are always happy to sit down and have a quick chat with someone to just understand the situation yeah more than happy to offer a, a sort of 20 minute half hour free consultation just to find out because so often in the tax world yeah. we don't know until we've had the conversation until we've sat down and run the figures we don't know if there's anything we can do anyway well thanks very much for your time james i know you've got another meeting soon um but it's been really interesting key points there you know declare things you know do things on time take advice and get an ifa and watch out for these tax digital uh, making tax digital rules coming in and, and extra compliance so uh, really good advice there, there, James. And if you want to get in touch with James, I'll put the details on on the description. But it, it's all about managing your money and managing your life. And that's what I offer in, in my courses, which I'll, I'll put some details up there. There's a free course on how to, to get your finances in order. Because in, in my days as an IFA, I always found that people who were in, in a mess with their finances were, were always either broke or going broke or went broke, uh, no matter how much money they were earning. You've got to get control of things. And I think that's where you need people like James to help you with that. So thanks very much for listening. And I, I will see you again on the next episode of Money Tips Daily. Thank you very much. Bye for now.